0: There we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Vikings Report live and uncensored on this Monday night, 7 p.m. With me are my usual partners in crime, Drew Bunting and Christopher Gates, the purveyor, founder, and writer emeritus of the Daily Norseman, DailyNorseman.com. Chris, how you doing, my friend?
1: I'm not sure what you just called me, but I'll go ahead and accept <laughs> it. Uh, I, I'm doing I'm doing all right, folks. I, I'm happy to be back with you guys again. And we had a had a hell of a time on Thursday night. And now we're gonna go over uh, everything from the rest of the weekend too. So it should be
0: should be a lot of fun for everybody. I'm looking forward to it. Drewster, how about you, buddy? Uh, meow meow. Are we all good? Can everybody see us? I think so. I we got think we are. In
2: there. Everything's going well. There's no yep. uh
0: let's go. <sighs> technical problems. How are you guys doing tonight? If I was any better, I'd be against the law, Amigo.
2: Oh, light this candle. Can we all start out? Can we all raise a, a toast and say, get them up there, boys. I, I don't have
0: a glass with me. Oh, Ted, come <laughs> on. I'm sorry. No well, glass. Okay,
2: Chris, I'll do it. Chris, I'll do it in spirit. Do it in nice. spirit. Wisconsin is on fire, dude.
1: It is. It is. <laughs> it's great.
2: Let's all raise. Even you out there, if you're watching, raise them up there. Let's take a drink.
0: I'm doing. I'm doing a, a Steve Austin slamming two beer cans together and chugging them down
2: because they are yes. having problems. So we're going to start our show out with Green Bay's
0: dysfunction. Because All they, right, because they cut Jake Kumoro. <laughs> that that was the breaking point. Jake Kumaro was the breaking point. Yeah. That would be that would be like like Kirk Cousins says. You know what? You just cut Chad Beebe. I want out.
1: Mm-hmm. basically yeah
0: (laughs) okay but we're not here to talk about the Packers we're here to relish and enjoy the schadenfreude going on with the Packers but we're not here to talk about the Packers we had a great show Thursday night Um, I know we had some technical issues and we had to jump over to Facebook and and we just still had a tremendous turnout and and feedback and the comments were amazing thank you all so much for joining us Um, if you are a YouTube regular and missed the show uh, I hope you caught we got the replay up on our channel Um, and if you missed it, I want to go over the winners of all our prizes real quick. Uh, D Gats won a, a Minnesota Vikings flag. Really nice. Uh, Ford Elliott won that purple people eaters plaque that the drew had shown on, uh, on a couple episodes for our draft pick game. Pete Withrow, my man, Pete running with the winning horse. That's right, baby. Um, (laughs) we had it all the way. I knew going in, I was going to win. What you got drew? Let's with Urro, with row. Right now. Yeah. I, and I didn't—I didn't mean to mispronounce your name. I have a friend of mine whose whose last name spelled the same way pronounced Withro. So oh, Pete, Pete's all
2: good. Pete made a call on happy. that.
0: So, anyways, he <laughs> won—he want a set of framed uh, Minnesota Vikings cards that Drew made. Uh, Doctor Proto won a Minnesota Vikings sign. Nah. Dan Dan Lee won uh, two coffee mugs, a two coffee mug set, and Mary Fisk won a, a Minnesota Vikings Hall of Fame coffee mug. Our jersey winner was Mr. Joshua Yee. Congratulations. Yeah! Uh, our, our non-Vikings fan gift certificate winner was Mr. Ed Zeidler. Our Mary Fisk Mystery Prize winner was Justin Barkley. And on Friday, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, on yeah. Friday, we had another giveaway. We might not have been on the air, but we were giving stuff away like we were the Salvation Army, man. Um, <laughs> we gave, uh, we had another jersey contest. It was the Jared Allen jersey that we featured on our our Jared Allen show. And that was one by uh, his Twitter handle is Cyberick, And I believe he's a longtime daily Norseman commenter as, as well.
2: Yep. That's him. Dude, um, we've been giving it away, giving it away, yeah.
0: giving it away. Now we've doing we're, good we're, like, the giveaways. we're the red hot Viking peppers. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> All, All right. Surprises, baby. Yeah. And th- more of that to come down the future as we figure stuff out now, because we're going live tonight, we're not doing a, uh, we're not taping a show this weekend and, and recording it on Saturday, but, Drew has put a lot of hard work and effort into what we like to call our greatest hit show. We've got a, clips of, of some of our funnier, better moments, and that's going to air Saturday at 10. So it won't be uh, a new show, but it, it's something that, that Drew and Ruby and I have, have put a lot of work into. So mostly Drew and, and Ruby. I just threw a couple things in, and it's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to like it. All right. All that's out of the way. Let's talk Let's talk the draft. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, that start. Yeah, well, it was pretty terrible, man.
2: No, man. Time is a flat circle. Give me one more shot
0: <laughs> yeah. at it. All right, go. <laughs> nah, that's not better. That was better. I'll give you. That was better. I'll give you. I'll give you a B plus on that one. Do so we have the draft, you lunatics? What are they All called? right, <laughs> Drew. What What are your overall? Thoughts on the draft in general, and and talk about the. We're going to get in the Vikings. Just your overall thoughts about the draft in general.
2: The first thing that stands out most to me is that we didn't get into that trade back frenzy in the mid rounds. Yeah, that is to me that that's amazing. I don't know if somebody sat Spielman down or talked to him or threatened him or. I don't know what happened but there was none of that going on the only trade back he did was that absolute fantastic one in the first round when he traded back and still got darrisov that was a that was a genius move but that's what stood out to me most is we we didn't spend a bunch of time trading back we we're actually selecting players yeah and the next thing that stood out to me is overall I think Zimmer I think Zimmer went in this year thinking he sat everybody down at the table all 132 assistant coaches or whatever he has. (laughs) And he said, we're going back to basics. And this game is won and lost in the trenches because they took five linemen. So the trenches got a lot of attention, which I am very happy about. And I think they're trying to get back to the basics with that. And I think positionally, I think they hit all the positions, maybe could, maybe could have grabbed a safety somewhere, but a minus on the, on the grade of what they did positionally. I can't really grade overall because you know how I feel about that. You gotta let time go by, but for as much as you can, you're kind of grading now for where you took guys in projected rounds. I think the Vikings did a great job. They got, they got a lot of players that have a lot of upside and they're just kind of iffy. They're, they're guys that have, Really talented players, but they just need need some experience, including Mond. But uh, I like how they attacked it. I'm really happy with the draft so far. Chris, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I kind of have a lot of the same thoughts as Drew did. You know, we're used to Rick Spielman, you know, trading all over the board. This this is the first uh, draft of the Spielman era where they didn't make multiple trades uh, during the draft. They only made the one, and it was a good one. And otherwise, they just let everything fall to them. I think we all kind of assumed that they were going to take – uh, some of those third round picks that move up into the second round. And it just didn't happen because I guess the board was falling for them the way they wanted it. They got, uh, you know, they got Mond and Wyatt Davis at the, uh, the top of the third round or toward the top of the middle of the third round. And, you know, it, it, I think it worked out really well for the Vikings. They didn't have to go crazy and trade and try to, you know, pick up 15, 16 draft picks or anything like that because not that many guys are going to make the team out of this draft class anyway. So no, I I think things went relatively well for Minnesota. I really can't argue with the, uh, the results they got this time. You,
0: you guys know how irritated I was when Chicago traded ahead of the Vikings. (laughs) I'm not going to belabor that, Um, (laughs) that, and, and it stuff came out over the weekend that I, I, I think looking back now in retrospect, Um, even if the Vikings, there, there was some chatter on Twitter earlier today about, well, if the Vikings had lost that last game to Detroit, they'd been, they'd have been higher up in the draft order and they could have maybe gotten fields. And I don't think that would have happened. I think they, they've only would have improved a spot or two and the Bears still would have gotten ahead of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm officially for those of you that are concerned for my well-being, I'm officially at peace with the Vikings, not getting Justin Fields. Um, and with, with that said, that was, uh, I was kind of surprised with the, with the trade down with Christian Derrissaw on the board at 14. Um, I think it was pure luck that he was still there at 23, but the Vikings got him. So that was fantastic. I can't really, uh, I can't really complain at all about the way Rick Spielman did the draft. I I was fully expecting some trade backs, you know, or, or maybe even a trade up into the second round. Uh, And he, he held onto his he held onto his gunpowder, and fired him, and and I think he he hit some targets, which which we'll talk about as we go on. But first, we're going to roll back to the first round. Vikings are sitting on the clock, at fourteen. Christian Dariusaw is there. I think during the draft show, we all assumed that the Vikings were just going to run up to the podium and grab Christian Dariusaw, and then we hear they traded with the Jets. Uh, they traded pick fourteen to the Jets for pick twenty three. Of pick 14 and pick 143, one of their fourth-round picks, to the Jets for pick 23, 66, and 86, which were two third-round picks. When we first heard the trade, Chris, what was what was your initial impression of that trade before any of the picks were made in retrospect, just at the time in the moment?
1: I thought that, you know, based on the values of the guys, you know, the way that they had been ranked by a lot of the experts and whatever, I thought the trade down was going to give uh, Zimmer and Spielman, kind of the, kind of the, I don't want to say if cover is the right word or whatever, but I thought they were targeting defensive end at, you know, their new spot rather than offensive tackle because a lot of the edge guys were kind of graded in that low teens, upper twenties sort of area, and that was right where they traded into at uh, at twenty three. So I thought they were going to try to worry about offensive tackle later, and then and go with the uh, go with the edge guys, whether it was pay or Phillips or whatever in the first round. But, uh, yeah, it wound up not, uh, not happening that way. They wound up with Derisaw after all. And, you know, that, that was a hell of a trade by Rick Spielman. Gotta be, gotta be honest. I mean, you trade back nine spots and pick up two extra thirds for a guy that nobody would have complained about. You take it at 14 anyway. So yeah, that, that was a, that was a hell of a job. I can't argue with that. Now it, it almost didn't happen, like you said, but that's something we can get into a little bit later if we want to.
0: Drew, what, what were your thoughts on the trade initially there in the moment as it happened?
2: Well, I'm really glad to see that the Tostitos bag made it another week. It's only been there six years. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all. I, was,
1: uh... I told y'all at this point it's decorative. I don't even know what the expiration. I don't even know what the expiration date on that bag of is. To- 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 we should eat anything. those,
2: yeah. man. We'll probably zoom for a while. Yeah, um... we'll, pro- yeah we'll probably die. I wanted a a trade back to start the draft. We'd already been over that in our past episodes, Ted. I wanted to trade back because I think we had to pick up extra picks. I was kind of annoyed we didn't get that second rounder that the Jets had. That was my my first impression. You always look at what you're going to get first when somebody trades up. But with Derisaw on the board and trading out, I wanted to trade back, but Derisaw was the player I wanted. So I was like in between going, oh, shit. I think the Vikings had a secondary plan. It might have been what Chris just said, that I don't think they thought Derisaw was going to be there at 23. Um, first off, I was hoping they traded back between 20 and 25. So they were right in where I wanted them to be. Because I think they got some good capital back being at 23. Um, I think I think they not, didn't expect Derisaw to be there. They were probably thinking, I'm spitballing here, Vera Tucker would be there at 23 or we'll take the defensive end. Because the way this whole – Draft has been leading up to now the defensive ends have been falling guys. They've been falling from eight. And then the first one was taken at 14. The next one was taken at 18. Then last week, I didn't see the first guy fall off the board to like 20, which ended up being, that's what happened. But I was happy with the trade back to pick up the extra picks. I wanted a second rounder, but I wasn't going to worry about it. But when Darisaw was there at 23, that's like a big win-win
0: huge. I, I think it was too. Um, I, I agree with Chris. I think they were willing to sacrifice Darisaw, trade down, get those extra picks, pick up a tackle, uh, in the third round. And I, I think they were fully expecting to draft either Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, possibly even Greg Russo. I if, if those guys had been off the board, um and Darisaw had been off the board, I think it would have been very interesting to see what Rick Spielman would have done. because I, I think those were I think those were probably his top three targets with with Phillips uh, Pay derisaw the the jets took vera tucker i think at at 14 right after the trade right
1: yep
0: so that that got blown up right away right so So, yeah it would have been interesting to see what they would have done go ahead chris he might have traded back again yeah that
1: that leads into you know the story that we saw or that i saw the other day from uh, chad graff over at the athletic uh he said that when the vikings came up uh, to their pick there were four guys that they were targeting it was derisaw it was Vera Tucker, it was Jalen Phillips, and it was Quiddy Pay. And so they made the trade back. And then, like you say, Vera Tucker went, and then Phillips went, and then Pay went. And according to the story from Chad Graff, the Vikings were worried. And so they were trying to move back up again after they traded down, but they couldn't find anyone to trade back up with to get Darris on. As it turned out, they didn't have to, but uh, there was a little bit of a horseshoe action going on. Uh, after yeah. that pick uh, was made if that's the if it actually you know played out the way that uh, Chad Graff was saying that it did because they they were worried that they were going to somehow miss out on all four of those guys but they wound up you know getting the guy that yeah you know, like we said they could have taken at 14 and everything would have been fine some
0: value guys yeah value. it was a great value pick and, and look sometimes it's better to be lucky than good and and I, I think I think you know for for as, as critical as Drew and I have been um, about Rick Spielman the last couple of years and and Chris, a couple of times you've been on with us, you were kind of on the fence as well. Um, he's generally done pretty well in drafts in the early rounds, getting guys. The, the one frustrating thing we've all complained about is the incessant trading down and trying to accumulate as many late round picks. I I'm I'm just glad he he stayed. And, and didn't move and get into the second round. Although the reports, again, were, were that he was trying. Um, and he just, the, the price was too high and he couldn't find any takers. So overall, though, I think I think all, all of us are are extremely happy with, with Christian Derrissaw as the first-round pick for the Vikings. I've complained about Rick Spielman.
2: What episode was that <laughs> on? Uh,
0: allegedly. I, I'd have to go back. It, it's only been <laughs> brief flashes. I'd have to go back and, and, and categorize exactly what, the timestamp was in the particular episode that I remember, but yeah, a little bit, just once or twice.
1: Next you're going to tell me that Drew's been critical of Mike Zimmer too. I'm not going to
0: buy that
2: either. Mike Zimmer's God. He's the greatest coach. (laughs) He is, he is is above average. That (laughs) trade back and getting Darisaw. me and Rick are going to be on good terms for at least two weeks. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good. Nice. He bought himself some time that guy was the second best pure left tackle in this draft. I had I did have Vera Tucker rated above him just because of his versatility where he can play tackle or guard. And I think Vera Tucker and Wyatt Davis are going to be the best guards in this whole draft, but
0: Darius saw at 23 that is just that guy is awesome. You finished- you had him you had him as a top 10. Well, I mean none of us thought he would be there at at 14, much less 23. Are, are we all in agreement eight. there? Eight. I have uh, number eight, eight in my top fifty. Yeah. What do you like about his game that had you that had you rank him so high, Drew?
2: I like the fact that he's solid in all parts of his game. Usually you hear offensive linemen, they either are really good run blockers, and then you know, so and so with pass blocking, and then they, you know, they either they either suffer one part of their game or another. He's solid all the way across the board from the tape I saw. That guy's fantastic. Okay. The only thing I've ever heard about that guy is that he's too nice. He's really quiet, but you know, quiet people can blow up on you too. You don't, you know. He's—I didn't see any flaws in his game. Like, like I said, besides Sewell, pure left tackle, Dariusaw was my number. He was the best guy out there. Okay.
0: So successful round one. The Vikings had no picks in round two. Um, we now move to round three, where it turns out they ended up having four picks to include the two picks they got from the Jets trade. And so when, when you, when you add this whole trade up with the Jets together, they, they basically traded Elijah Vera Tucker for Christian Dariusaw, their first pick in the third round, which was Kellen Mond and another one of their third round picks guard, Wyatt Davis from Ohio state. And their, their total third round haul in all this was quarterback Kellen Mond um, from Texas agricultural and May. And military or mechanical, I don't know, Texas A&M. What
2: the hell does A&M stand for again?
0: Agricultural and military school, I believe. Agriculture. Yeah, I I believe. I'd have to look it up. Uh, Chaz Surratt, linebacker um, of the famed Surratt family that was in the Abraham Lincoln assassination plot. Okay, not he wasn't. I have no idea. Um, Oh, but his brother was in the draft. His brother was in the draft. Wyatt Davis. Uh, yeah, he went to the Ohio state university Shocker, and then
2: throw that in there.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and then Patrick Jones defensive end. So Drew, we'll start with you for the third round. What were your, what were your overall impression and thoughts of the, the third round picks that the Vikings got Monserrat Davis and Jones? I liked every one of those picks. Did, I did you really
2: liked them? I liked them in the order they took them. I was kind of worried that they, they took, uh, Surratt, the linebacker position, right where they did. I really wanted Davis right there. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is where we're going to lose lose out on Wyatt Davis. We're going to take – we took this linebacker, and we're going to lose out on my favorite guard in the draft. If not my favorite – one of my favorite players in the draft, even though he's a Buckeye, Wyatt Davis. That's the guy – well, you followed the thread. I was yelling about it ever since when round two started. hope nobody takes him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think they picked – I think they took care of positions and the players perfectly for that. What do you like about Surratt? Oh man, that guy, the only reason he was number nine on my board is because he's only played two years linebacker at North Carolina. He played, he was quarterback. He was a quarterback who turned into a linebacker. Um, I don't know if you, you probably already knew that since you're researching these guys, but this, this guy, all conference of 2009. Let me let me throw a tasty tidbit out for Chaz Surratt, my favorite All right. one. All right. Let's we'll start with that. In 2019, Chad Surratt made 115 tackles, 66 solo. Really? 115, 115 tackles. And I looked up, I did a little bit more research and looked up missed tackles. Because you want to look up tackles, you want to look up missed tackles. He had 115 <laughs> tackles in 2019. He had 27 missed tackles.
0: Really, that's I know we
2: don't like to do math on this show, Ted. I don't really like math myself, but 115 and 27 is 140 something. Yeah, that's Chad Greenway
0: type area. That's pretty solid production and and signs that he's a pretty solid tackler to begin with. (laughs) The only problem with this guy is that he hasn't played there enough. So that's why you think he dropped just inexperience.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I had him at number nine on my board. I wouldn't have had him higher, except he hasn't played that many games, but he's a lot final finish. I watched last night, I watched the Votek game in North Carolina. Uh huh. He had 17 tackles in that game. Jeez. Damn. Incredible off the edge. But let me tell you what, What the, the reason he's got an upper hand on everybody, those two years he played quarterback, and the quarterback he played in high school, if you watch him play, he – is almost in the quarterback's head anticipating what the quarterback's going to do. I think this guy benefited greatly from playing quarterback. He knows what the guy – what they're going to do in certain positions. And he was – he, like, intercepted a couple passes, and he was right – like, how the hell did he know he was going to throw it there? I think it's helped him. It helped him in blitz. It helps him – that kind of gets him in trouble, gets him behind on the play now and then by looking in the backfield too much. But I think Uh his quarterback experience is awesome. The guy's a great tackler. He's a hell of a player. And I think over the course of time, he's going to only get better. But that's why probably why he fell that far to begin with.
0: Chris, what oh, do you, oh, go ahead. Wait, go wait, ahead, Drew. Real
2: quick. He had 27 missed tackles in 2019. I did look up 2020 to see if it was a continuing problem. He went from 27 missed tackles down to 11. So he improved greatly on that because that was an area he even knew he had to get better at. But after researching Ches Surratt yesterday, I'm really –
0: I'm, I'm, I'm good with the and people are saying, well, you can't spend a third rounder on him." That's where I had him. Well, had and then, round. and, and uh, talking about his missed tackles this year, eighth, the ACC played pretty much a full schedule this year, didn't they? Yes. Like nine, so, 10 yeah. games. I believe so. Okay. So, game so, so that, here. I mean, that's a lot more impressive when you consider, you know, conferences like the big 10 and the PAC 12 only played <laughs> six or seven games or whatever. Chris, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the third round.
1: I, I think the Vikings, you know, did a, did a heck of a job getting the guys, you know, once you get into the third round, you're kind of in the, uh, the best player available uh, while still looking for needs kind of thing. Uh, I like the mod pick a lot. Uh, cause he's one of those guys that, you know, I don't think he's anywhere near done developing yet. And he's still got a lot of room to grow. And, you know, if you take a quarterback in the third round, you're not going to rock the boat too much. I mean, cause nobody's going to come in and expect him to start right away, and you're probably married to Kirk Cousins for at least one or two more years, so he's going to get the opportunity to, to learn and sit back a little bit. Uh, it's a hell of a lot more exciting than having Sean Mannion hold the clipboard on Sundays. I will say that because he, he upgraded that spot as well. Uh, Drew talked about Surratt already. Uh, like you said, he's only been playing uh, linebacker for two years. He was first team all ACC both years, but he played linebacker. So that's, that's pretty impressive. That's that's solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once once the guy gets another year under his belt and, you know, like we talked about uh, leading up to the draft and on draft night, uh, Anthony Barr is going to hit free agency after this year now because of his contract restructure. So, you know, get, give the guy a year in the NFL, get him into an NFL strength and conditioning program. And, you know, maybe he's Anthony Barr's replacement starting in 2022. Uh, The Wyatt Davis pick, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into this more as well. That's probably even with what they did for Dara saw this might be the best pick that the Vikings made all weekend was the Wyatt Davis pick. If that guy would have come out after the 2019 season, he's a first rounder, but Easy. he didn't. So he fell to the third round and that's, that was just a gift, uh, to the Vikings pretty much. And I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about Patrick Jones, but I, cause I don't, but, uh, I was a little surprised he went ahead of Rashad Weaver, his uh, teammate, but uh, he he had plenty of production for Pittsburgh. So I, I don't think I have any issues or any problems with any of the uh, selections that the Vikings made in the third round. They just let the let the board fall to them. Didn't try to get uh, too cute, and you know filled some significant needs with some pretty solid players.
0: Did you have something you wanted to add, real quick?
2: Uh, yeah. Damn, Pittsburgh had a hell of a defensive line, didn't they? 200. They did. Yeah. her and then and then you throw Jones in there on top of it. I wanted to run something by you, by both of you. Okay. Because um, I know you, I, I like to peek into these ultimate football minds that you guys got. You guys got good <laughs> football mind. And I like to gain soak in knowledge, like absorb it. Um, do you think the mon pick buys Spielman and Zimmer a couple more years? Because if you notice, guys get fired, they don't want the regime, the new regime doesn't want the old players. So by drafting Mond in the third round, I don't want to read too much into it. Do they have, do they have the opening now to tell Wolf, well, we got, we got three years. We got to develop this guy. This is our franchise guy. We need to be here to develop him. Does it buy him more time that draft pick? Chris, go ahead. I I don't
1: really think it does because you know what is this the uh, the is it the eighth year of the uh, the Zimmer era we're going into now seven or eight years? Uh, you're to the point. I, we kind of saw it with Denny Green uh, back when uh, back when he was the coach of the Vikings. It took a little longer with Denny Green, but this is kind of the point: a coaching regime where unless you've had a great deal of success, uh, coaches kind of start getting tuned out uh, by players. That's kind of what happened with uh, Denny Green toward the end and whatnot. And you know, Zimmer hasn't had the success that Denny Green has had. He's had some success, obviously. He's been a uh, he's been a solid coach. I Meaning, I don't think he's been a great coach. He's been a solid coach, but I, I don't. I think the Wilfs are probably getting to the point where, you know, like Ted has said numerous times, this this is probably the top end of the uh, the Zimmer Cousins era. So unless we have a significant breakout in the next year or two, I don't know if the mon pick buys them more time. I mean, okay, you know, it it, it might. I mean, I'm not sure what the Will family's thought process is, but. I, if I had to lead one way or another, I would say probably not.
0: Okay, I'm going to agree with Chris. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think a third round developmental quarterback <laughs> that potentially is your future buys Spielman anytime at all. Okay. Um, I maybe if they had picked a guy in the first round, possibly. Um, but but no, I, I mean like, and for those of you that that think. Uh, first of all, I like I like the Mon pick, but I I saw this interesting tidbit on Twitter by a guy Tasty uh, tidbit at at Forrester nine three two since two thousand twenty one quarterbacks have been selected within uh, plus or minus fifteen picks of pick sixty six where Mon was taken two two have sustained starting jobs um, so. So let's, let's not just automatically assume Kellen Mond is, is going to supplant Kirk Cousins right away because and I, this is nothing against Kellen Mond. It just historically, he's a long shot just yeah. based on where he was selected. I think he has the potential to be that guy, sure. But, but to buy uh, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer time, no. They, they, they invested a lot of money in Kirk Cousins. Rick Spielman invested even more money and Kirk Cousins with that extension and then fully guaranteeing guaranteeing next year's salary this year. So, no, this, this is it, – it's time to produce results. And, and I think um, when, when you look at the guys they picked in the third round, you know, Surratt, Mond, uh, Patrick Jones, and especially Wyatt Davis, um, after an entire decade of, of <laughs> fiddle-farting around <laughs> with the offensive line, they might've finally got it figured out because you got Christian Derisaw as your left tackle, Wyatt Davis, either left guard or right guard, depending on what they want to do with Ezra Cleveland. Um, You got Bradbury and O'Neal returning. It it is, it is a line that has been invested heavily in top end draft choices. Finally, it, it, it it's time. It's time for Kirk Cousins to produce. I mean, like when it really matters, it's time for the offense to produce and, and produce a game-winning drive when they have to. It's mm-hmm. time for the offense to convert a fourth and one in Seattle. It, oh. is, it is time yeah. It is time for them to win close football games, and I would argue that the talent is now there to do it, and if they don't, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are gone, which I think is they should be. You, you brought up a good point about it. If it was a first-rounder, it probably buys them another season. I think that's so. A, I think it's a it different,
2: would be. that's a really, really good point. Cause you're looking at it through a whole different scope. Yeah. Um, I yeah, like right. how the offense, i finally feel like after all these years they've done, they've actually addressed it and done something. I mean, we're going to get more into talking about these guys, but that, that expl- that that's good points on that. I was just thinking about that today and I can absorb all that in my head now.
0: Now, now speaking of line, let's, let's think about where this line was uh, at seven o'clock Central time on Thursday night. Your starting left tackle was Rashad Hill. Your Jeez. starting left guard was Mason Cole. Your center was Garrett Bradbury Egg. Your right guard was better than Ezra Cleveland. And your right tackle was Brian Clan O'Neill. <laughs> now. I can mind the Ted Glover like no other, baby. Now. <laughs> yeah. Your, your starting offensive line looks Man, significantly different. You got Christian Darius as your left tackle, Wyatt Davis, Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland. And I've heard talk that that Cleveland or or Davis, either, either guard position. I don't know yet how that's going to shake out. What did Davis play at Ohio State? Right guard, left he, guard? He he played right guard most recently, but he has played both positions. Ah, uh, I, I don't like I I hope they put him at right guard. That's where he's comfortable with. Um and, and swap Cleveland. I mean, you can you can make an argument putting Davis at left guard, and that is your least amount of disruption. Uh, you could make an argument putting Wyatt Davis over on the right side where he played most recently, and Cleveland's back over on the left side where he, in college, he was a left tackle. I, whatever they decide to do, I, I, I'm sure Rick Dennison will screw it up and do the wrong thing, but he has options.
1: That's a pretty solid bet. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going to lie to you. I think that's what oh. we're all, be, because, because this is the Vikings. I think that's what we're anticipating
0: actually. But guys, on paper, feels so much better though. Doesn't it? It, it does. does. And, and now you've got, you know, guys like Rashad Hill and Mason Cole are your, your first line depth guys. And, and that is, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. It's, it's, I think it's significantly better than what we've had the last year or two. Just, just my, just my two cents. Keep Dozier out of there. <laughs> for for <laughs> for the love of David Dixon, do not put Dakota Dozier on the field. Did you have Bradbury egg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, All the right. line the line looking good right now. That's a good point. So so yeah. I, um. Now I, I want to ask this one question, and and I I'm asking it just just to get a reaction. I know what the answer is, and I think it's dumb if it becomes this. But do you foresee a quarterback controversy in Minnesota now that the Vikings have drafted Kellen Mond, Drew? No. No, not the Vikings have any idea
2: what they're doing. Oh, well. Good. <laughs> Chris?
1: Uh, on Vikings Twitter or in real life? Okay, both. Let's do both. Vikings. Vikings Twitter will have Kellen Mann as the starting quarterback by week three of the preseason. In the real world, <laughs> in the real world, that's not happening because, like I said, yeah, for, for all for all we want to bitch about Cousins, he's above average as a quarterback. He I think we can is. agree on that. And, and a guy who everyone agrees is going to need a year or two to develop is not going to come in and take the starting job for any reason other than Kirk Cousins gets hurt.
0: Barring injury, Kellen Mond should not see the field until uh, 2023.
2: He can't. If he's out there next year, he's going to get ruined. Yep. And I don't mean to quell. Everybody's excited. We're all in a purple cloud about the – we finally got our future quarterback and everything, but I'm telling you right now, they better be cautious with Kellen Mond. And they better take their time with Kellen Mond. And that guy needs to learn the speed of the game because that's what he's struggling with right now. And it's a lot easier to learn the speed of the game when you're on the sidelines looking at the speed of the game than if you're in there in the tornado of the speed of the game getting your ass whipped. It's yeah. a lot mm-hmm. easier to learn from the sidelines. The Vikings need to not play that guy. And I know people are yelling, oh, "Fucking Drew, shut up. But you can't. The guy's not ready to play. He has a lot of flaws and needs to be coached up in a
0: lot of areas. Do you think and now Drew and I, you, Drew, you and I talked about this um, in the shows leading up to the draft, and and I I was all about getting a quarterback in the first round, but they got one in the third round. But my only concern was if they get a quarterback now, it's up to the Minnesota Vikings staff to develop that quarterback. Yeah. Do you do you have confidence that um, Clint, son of Gary Kubiak, can? successfully develop Kellen Mond into potentially becoming a starting quarterback? No, (laughs) Chris, (laughs) I think, no, let me talk that
2: by saying, I think they need to bring somebody in to work with them. I I really do. I really do.
1: I I agree with Drew because if, if Clint Kubiak's primary focus now is going to be as the offensive coordinator, I'm not even, I can't remember who the off the top of my head, who the Vikings quarterbacks coach is right now, but they need to bring, someone who's one of these quarterback whispers or something like that, even if it's just in like a consulting role or something like that, they they need to bring somebody else in because, you know, I agree. They, they, if yeah, Clint Kubiak needs to focus on being the offensive coordinator, not, uh, not player development at this
0: Uh, point. Andrew Janako is the Minnesota Vikings quarterback coach. And if I remember correctly, he was one of the co-offensive line coaches and then possibly a tight ends coach.
1: He, he's taking the Stefanski route of coaching like every position on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball.
0: And then like
1: he, he will work his way into a head coaching job sometime around 2030 at the rate he's going here. I think so. Yeah.
0: So overall though, we're, we're pretty happy with, with the first, well, the first and the third round since the Vikings didn't have a second, second round pick. We're Very happy. pretty happy with that, yep. with the draft up to this point. Let's move down to the fourth round then. So, the guys selected in the fourth round, running back Kane Nwangu. Everybody have <laughs> fun tonight. Everybody Wangu tonight. tonight. <laughs> um, Wongu. Safety, safety Cameron Bynum and defensive end Janarius Robinson. I, I would argue that in this round, the Vikings were looking for um, kind of depth and roster. Um, backfill and, and Drew, you and I have talked about this before the depth on the Vikings is, is something that that has been very concerning for us. And I, I, I expected them to take a running back in the third or fourth round and they did um, and they've got a safety sure um, in Cameron Bynum which can who can who can sit for a year under uh, Smith and Rhodes and then they got another defensive end in Geneius Robinson Chris, what what do you think on that? These fourth round guys.
1: I think a lot of it is probably going to have quite a bit to do with special teams as well, particularly the uh, Inwangu pick, because you know some of the highlights that I saw him, he, his calling card in the NFL looks like he's probably going to be more of a kick return guy than maybe a running back at least at first. But that guy's got some speed. Oh he, man, he can, he can go. And you know, if if I'm Amir Abdullah, I'm nervous because oh, th- this guy on. does. This guy does everything that Amir Abdullah can do, and he's faster, and he's younger, and you know, cheaper.
0: He, yeah,
1: I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think Amir Abdullah is long for this roster anymore after the uh, after the draft this weekend.
0: Um,
2: Drew, what <laughs> I wanted. I was a big Chuba Hubbard fan, but you know, can't have he, everything you want.
0: Can wasn't I- wasn't Chuba available when they first picked in the fourth round? I think yeah, he was. I think he was available. still on the
2: board. He was available, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be belay. What's the? How does it go? Belittle the Belabor. labor There you go. Because you got to take. You got to go with wherever they take. I know one thing. I watch tape on. Uh, I'm gonna call. What do we call them? way Everybody Wang chung tonight. Let me tell you about <laughs> Wang chung. <laughs> no, this is pretty rare. This combo six one two ten, and he ran a four three two. Really. Six Dang. one. What's? What are the people out there saying? What are the people watching the show just saying? I bet your Reggie just said, "Holy shit, that's cool!" Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Six one two ten. He runs a four three two. Sports Illustrated yesterday caught this little tasty tidbit. Said he's the sleeper running back of the entire draft. Really? Yeah, nice. and and from what I gather, his biggest detriment is the fact that they never played him, Ted. They never played the guy. He never got on the field. And hmm. I saw an interview with him yesterday saying, listen, I'm going to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to make the best out of every carry I get. If I get 50 carries, I'm going to try to take it to the house 50 times. If I get 150 carries, I'm going to try to score 150 times. All I can do is make the best out of my opportunities. This guy's got a great attitude. Yeah. Six one four, three, two. I'm all for this pick. And positionally, uh, we took care of positions in the fourth round. That's what we yeah.
0: were going for. Yep. Uh, so do so you, think, you think this guy uh, can be running back three coming out of training camp then?
2: I do oh, because he's certainly. a change of pace back. He's going to be good. He's a scamper back. Like Chris said, he's fast. His speed is what kills. Kind of like Jarek McKinnon? Is that
0: a favorable?
2: A, <laughs> it's a favorable comparison. I think so. Yeah.
0: Okay. That, that's good. I, I mean, when, when you look, when you think back to – the last time the Vikings had a really exceptional team 2017 uh, when they went the NFC championship, when Dalvin cook went down on week four, um, Latavius Murray and, and Jarrett McKinnon really picked up the slack and, and, and had a very good season. I, you have got to have guys two and three deep at some key, at key positions. And if this guy can play, I'm all for it. I think it's Absolutely. great. Absolutely.
2: You know what guys, he falls right in the, the running scheme or the running, I, the, the narrative for this draft of the Vikings a bunch of dynamic guys, right on the verge of blowing up. They could do <laughs> Surratt, Look. this guy, the Wanger, Surratt, Langer. Patrick Jones, <laughs> Wyman. They're all, they're all just. And I'm telling you right now, if Wyatt Davis doesn't get hurt in that championship game, he's a freaking top ten talent. The Vikings, yeah, the guys the Vikings
0: have all have the home run ability, and that's exciting for a draft. Good. That's good. And, and you know, your mantra, Drew, has been for months now, get better. And I, I think the minutes, at least on paper, it sure looks like the Vikings got better at positions they needed to get better at. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up with rounds five and six real quick. Um, wide receiver, Amir Smith-Marset. Tight end, Zach Davidson. And then uh, we just mentioned this kid's name, defensive tackle, Jalen Twyman, the sixth-round pick um, out of pit as well. Mm. Um
1: yeah, a couple of those guys to, to briefly touch on, uh, I'm not like I said, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about uh, Amir Smith-Marset, but uh, a guy that I respect the heck out of is uh, Brett Coleman, who used to run the uh, the Texans blog over on uh, SB Nation, now has his own kind of film room on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, after the Vikings made the Smith-Marset pick, he tweeted out, and this is what he said uh, word for word. Amir Smith-Marset will be the Vikings wide receiver three and get significant snaps by the time we get to October. And if, if Brent is saying that about, about Smith-Marset, that's enough to get me excited about that guy. because Wide receiver three is wide open for this team. And if this guy can make an uh, impact straight away, yeah, that, that's a, that's a hell of a pick for the the early part of the fifth round.
0: Plus he's got kick return ability. I believe. He does. Yeah. So that that's another thing to look at with this kid. Um, I, I, I think a lot of these guys, uh, and I don't say this to brag because I'm a fan of Ohio state, but I think a lot of big 10 players because of the shortened schedule, um, got their draft stock hurt because they didn't play a whole lot. They didn't have a whole, a lot of film. Um, and other than o- OSU that had the, the two extra games, you really didn't see. And then there were some teams, what Michigan only played, what, four games, I think? Six. Four or five. They, they didn't they did play uh, six.
2: They only showed up for two. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean, you know, they, they had they had cancellations and rescheduling, and it was just a, a wacky season in the Big Ten. And I, I think a full season, um, a, a guy like Smith-Marset goes maybe a little bit higher around earlier. I, I don't know. That's just, that's just me that's speculating.
2: That's super accurate. I think that is. Yeah. Um, like Chris says, I didn't haven't done a lot of research on this guy. There's still four or five guys I got to really do a deep dive on. Yeah. The one thing I like about Marcet is I hear he's got this cocky, confident attitude, uh, almost overboard, but not like in a bad way, in a, in a competitive way. I heard there's one, there's one game where he they kicked off to him and he ran it back to the 11 yard line, and he got hit pretty good, and the, they were like. You know the guys that hit him were like high five and everything, and he ran up to one of them and said, "Next time they kick it off, I'm taking that shit to the house." <laughs> <laughs> and the next kickoff, he nice. ran it back. He's kind of, he, it's like cocky in a competitive way. I like that.
0: Yeah, I do yeah. too. And I,
2: mean, and I really, really like what Chris was just saying. That's really good. That's that's good knowledge right there. That's gets me kind of fired up.
0: Well, and and I I thought going into this draft, I honestly, um, I thought they would address the wide receiver position before they did. Um, I, I've been, I've been on the bandwagon that, that RW three is almost a starting position now in this day and age. And although, uh, but again, it goes back to kind of a, do we draft a quarterback dilemma? The Vikings use the three wide receiver sets, I think less than anybody else in the NFL, something like 30% of the time. So this kind of probably feels like a safer pick, right. um, if you're going to invest in a guy, then than to get a guy in 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 the earlier rounds that you're not going to utilize as, as much as another team would, for example. So I'm I'm pretty pretty up about that. All right, they had one pick in the sixth round, yeah. defensive yeah. tackle Jalen Twyman.
1: Oh yeah, love Dude. me some Jalen Twyman. A- absolutely. So so Drew, like I saw the big board that you had for the defensive tackles, and right, you were you were part of you know between. Like, like I was telling you guys last night, I've got two uh, pre-draft uh, magazines that hit the, uh, the newsstand usually like late February, early March or whatever. One of those two pre-draft magazines had uh, Jalen Twyman as the third best uh, defensive tackle in this draft behind uh, Barmore and Nixon. And the other one had scouting like previews of 20 or 25 defensive tackles And Jalen Twyman wasn't even mentioned once at all. And there just seemed to be a lot of disparity between where uh, some of these draft guys had uh, Jalen Twyman ranked. So what was it that made you uh, so much higher on him than, you know, a lot of other folks did? And why do you think there was, you know, as much disparity by a look between a lot of these uh, people as there was?
2: Can I take you higher? (laughs) Fly me over. That's okay. I am a huge, huge Twyman fan. You can ask Ruby. When they called, I seen the ticker on there. Jumped up, head hit the ceiling. Got a little bit of a cut on my head. I was stoked. <laughs> we highlighted him on our defensive tackle board. That that episode, Ted, we did for the defensive uh-huh. tackles. We talked about how much he idolized Aaron Donald and how much of a work ethic this guy has and how much push he has and how much determination he has. He's super athletic. He's a freak. He he's he's a let, let me read these these quick stats to you, and you'll okay. know. The guy's only played 21 games. And that's part of the reason people were either second rounding, second in the second rounder, third rounder, or having him back in the sixth round. Because he doesn't have a lot of experience at defensive tackle. That and his size. They're worried about his size. 21 games, 57 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, and 11 sacks.
0: That's from- nuts. That is nuts production.
2: That's pretty good. Defensive tackle. <laughs> defensive tackle. 11 sacks in 21 games breaks the record of Aaron Donald, who had 10 and a half. Wow. Dang. He opted out of 2020, but here is the thing about, about Twyman. He came out of high school, and he came to Pittsburgh. He he was a his big number one thing was his run stuffing. He was a great run stuffy defensive tackle, but he couldn't, he couldn't get around the, the guards in the center enough to get gap penetration to get tackles for loss and quarterback sats, and it bugged him. So he got on this weight training program, and he lost 30 pounds. All of a sudden, the quickness came. Time is a flat circle. Came all the way around. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he's shooting the gaps. If he beats you with his first step, it's over. He's too quick for anybody to block him. That's one of the aspects about this guy. But the losing the 30 pounds, his run defense scaled way back. So to increase one part of his game, he lost the run defense prowess. So he's got to figure out how to balance that back. And I think this is a huge, huge toy for Andre Patterson to work with. This guy is going to be an awesome player if he blossoms the way. The guy is super powerful, super athletic, super fast. And like I said, gap gap penetration is what it's all about for a defensive. That's what we don't have here. We don't have any of that. We didn't have any last year. It killed us last year. Backs were killing us. We couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. We need a guy like this. And it is an absolute steal of the draft for the Vikings besides Wyatt Davis. Getting Twyman in the sixth. Come on,
0: man. So how are you feeling about the depth overall now? So we've gone – we'll talk about undrafted free agents in a minute. But now now that the draft is done and and we've got, you know, the the new draft picks – The Vikings seem to have addressed the the real critical needs. Chris, what are your thoughts on the overall depth of the roster top to bottom now?
1: I think the depth has gotten significantly better. Like you said, you outlined what the starting offensive line looked like before the draft started. And now, rather than starting guys like Rashad Hill and Mason Cole, uh, those guys are your backups. Well, Cole is presumably a backup if we assume that Wyatt Davis is your week one starter. And hopefully he, he should be. But yeah, like you know, like you said, you drafted a running back to sit behind uh, Cook and uh, Alexander Madison. You got a guy that could potentially come in and play for a wide receiver three spots or stuff right away. Uh, linebacker help, safety help. But this is a much better, much deeper football team than it was at this time last week. And you know, when you're when you're determining winners and losers in the NFL draft, that's uh, about as good as indicated Good an indication of a winner as you're going to find,
2: Drew. that Chris Gates, man, that guy brings the knowledge. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the the depth The depth all the way down from all eleven, all eleven picks, just reeks of depth. I mean, the Vikings' defensive line was terrible. Come was. on, yes, it was. It was terrible. And we need it to get bad. Hunter back, but they got three guys on that defensive line. There, we got Pierce. Uh, what Tomlinson? Tomlinson. Not Ledanian, but the other guy. Dalvin. And I'm telling you, Twyman is a pure three technique. He doesn't play much more than three technique, but that's all you really need him to play is if he's really good at that one position.
0: I meant to ask you that. So he's he's pretty much just a straight three technique guy. Straight three technique in my book. Four, three, three technique. You know, the
2: thing about the two Pittsburgh players, they don't have a lot of positional versatility. Uh, Twyman's a three technique. Uh, Patrick Jones, standard four, three defensive end. He's not going to get in coverage. He's not going to stunt a lot. He's not going to, you know, he's he's not going to cover anybody out in the flat, but his gift is pass rushing. And that's what we need. Patrick Jones is one of the best pass rushing defensive ends of this draft. That's good. So you're trading the versatility of being a, you know, he's not going to run people down like Chris Dolman. Dolman did everything well. He's more of just a, just a pass rush specialist, but, the defensive line got a lot better, and that was our weakest. Wasn't that our weakest group last year, guys? Oh yeah, by, I, by quite a quite a significant measure.
0: I would I would agree. Yeah, it was. I mean, they got they took three guys on the defensive line.
2: Let's not forget uh, the kid from Florida State. They took two edge guys. Generous and Tenarius Robinson in the middle.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now, do you think Patrick Jones has a chance? The defense, the one defensive end for the or the one guy from Pitt. Uh, do you think he can start Week One? No, I don't think he'll start Week One, but I do think he'll end
2: up being a force because he is the mini me of Daniil Hunter.
0: Wow. Okay. He is. Dang. He is the mini me. So yeah, I, I think we all agree that the the depth got a lot better. Um, on paper at least, the Vikings look like a much better team now uh, than than they did Wednesday before the draft, for sure, and. Now it's, now it's up to the coaching staff to, to kind of put it all together. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, there is a laundry list of undrafted free agents. I'm going to go over the names real quick, and I want you guys to tell me if there's any of these dudes that you think will make the roster. First one, wide receiver Blake, son of Ricky Prohl, from East Carolina. Running back A.J. Rose, wide receiver Myron Mitchell, Wide receiver Wop Fillier from Indiana. What? what? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> linebacker Tuff Borland from Ohio State. Uh, Zionde Johnson from Cal, a defensive end. Uh, defensive end linebacker Christian Ellis from Idaho. Long snapper. At least, at least they signed him as an undrafted free agent and didn't draft one. Turner Bernard from San Diego State. And defensive tackle Jordan Scott from Oregon. Drew, is there anybody on that list that that you think is a, a potential person, potential guy that makes the final 53? I'm going to give that
2: punter a shout. <clears throat> that guy is like a 44 yard average. I don't okay. Think
0: any, any punter is ever solid
2: with their roster. I think a punter is probably the easiest job to steal if you come in. He has 50 53 games or some ungodly amount where you were punted. I think him, I think tough Borland will make the team or we'll give it a hell of a run. And I also think, uh, the WAP. WAP failure He was number 17 on my top 15. So he was – I really wanted to put him on my top 15. He was right on the outskirts of it. That guy's a hell of a player. Um, those would be the three I'd throw I'd throw my hat in the ring for. Chris? I,
1: I kind of tend to agree with Drew. I think uh, Borland's going to uh, at least make a good solid run at the roster. Uh, you know, the wide receiver depth chart behind uh, Jefferson and Thielen and presumably Smith-Marset is pretty wide open. So, uh, those younger guys, uh, that you talked about, uh, failure and, uh, parole and those guys, uh, Christian Ellis, uh, son of, uh, former Detroit lions defensive end, Luther Ellis, who played, oh, that's uh, right. he played there forever. I think he played, I think he played for the lions for like eight or nine years or something like that. He did. So that's, yeah, uh, he was there That's a long his time. son. I don't know a lot about him other than the fact that he is uh, Luther Ellis's son, but, uh, he, he might be someone to, uh, to keep an eye on as well. And yeah, the, I don't know how many spots are going to be available for undrafted free agents this year, but uh, the Vikings always seem to have one or two every year. So it's going to, it's going to be something worth keeping an eye on.
0: My, my one guy, I think if there's anybody that's going to make the 53, I think it's Wap Fillier from Indiana. I was, I remember him playing some pretty good games at Indiana and I looked up his stats. He had a thousand yards receiving in 2019 for, for the Hoosiers. Um, wow. his, his yards per catch average really dropped this year, but again, with the, with the goofy start to the big 10 season and all the COVID stuff, uh, it wasn't as productive, but I, I was surprised when I looked at him and, and I went back and I, I, I tried to remember where, where I saw him. And so I watched some of his highlights and I, I'm really surprised he went on drafted, um, to be quite honest, tough Borland, you know, I'm I'm a big, uh, obviously big Ohio State fan. I like Borland. I he reminds me a lot of ways of uh, the linebacker from Michigan we had. Um, Gideon, Ben Gideon, yeah. Uh, I I he's not the most Borland's not the most athletic guy. He's not the fastest guy. Um, if he gets his arms around you, he's going to tackle you. Uh, I, it's a really good comparison, Ted. Yeah, with with the the Chaz Surratt pick. I'm not, we'll see. We'll see how Borland does. I maybe, maybe a practice squad. I I don't know that he'd make the roster right now. If there's, but if there's one guy, uh, the kicker, Riley Patterson, I think has a, has a legit shot. Um, Spielman, Spielman has said they they're going to have open competition for kicker and punter this year. So we'll see. So I'm, I'm going to bet probably failure or the kicker if not. And
1: and you talked about a, uh, you talked about failure, uh, have you guys seen what his real name his real name is not WAP? Obviously, you guys seen, no, his real his real name <laughs> or his actual name is Mr. Elias D'Angelo Fillier. His That's first what name is calling him. his first name, honest to God, is Mr. That's so not like a, it's not like a title or a heading really? or anything. His first name is Mr. What is it? In, Elias? Mr. El, Mr. Hold on, let me get the names in the right order here. I just think WAP
2: is better. Yeah,
1: Mister <laughs> uh, Mister Elias D'Angelo WAP Fillier. His nickname is apparently WAP because of his. Uh, I, I saw it somewhere hey. online his a uh, his nickname is WAP because of his love for Burger King. Oh,
2: okay. No that is. He's on the team. He's going to make
1: the <laughs> team. So, I, I love he, I love
2: Whoppers. He's, he's on, on the team.
1: He's on. He's on the short list of the greatest names in team history. If he, he hey. makes the roster.
2: Hey, guys, I, pr- I promised Patrick Jones from Pittsburgh that I'd throw this tasty tidbit out for him. All right. He wanted me because he wants to be better than Daniil Hunter. Daniil, Daniil Hunter's last college year, he played 13 games. And he played 80% of the defensive snaps. And he had one and a half sacks. That was yep. the big thing on Daniil Hunter. Get that, yeah. Ted. He wasn't I, a sack guy. That was the big no. draw on him.
0: So I, I, that. I still remember going, who is this guy, and why did they draft him in the third round? Well, he had one and yeah. a half sacks in, in 13 games, playing
2: 80% of the defensive snaps. Patrick Jones of Pittsburgh played played in 11 games, 82% of the snaps, and he had nine sacks. Wow. But he wanted I, me to throw that out there and let you know he's already ahead of schedule when it comes to the <laughs> hunter. <laughs> So I'm fired up on our draft picks, dude. We got a lot of upside with these guys all
0: of them. Yeah, we do. So so the bartender says to the cop, killer, I could barely f- barely fill your. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry, that was dumb. Wow. <laughs> that was that, all right, yeah, we, we've been we've Go been ahead. going on, we've been going on
2: long enough. You know, we didn't um, talk about Mond at all, though. I wanted to get your guys. What do you guys really think about that guy? Um you think you gotta amount to anything? I know the fans I, out there, anybody watching the show's going. They didn't talk about Mond enough, so let's finish it with talking All about right.
0: that. Yeah, that's fair enough. I I don't know. I mean, when when you look at where he was picked um, and, and the success rate of quarterbacks picked at that at that point in the draft, and then you look at his completion percentage, which was barely at 60% in college, um, you hear time and again that the toughest thing to improve upon for a quarterback going from the college to the NFL is his, is his accuracy. Uh, I, I like the kid. I mean, he's got a ton of natural talent. He's, you know, Robert Griffith III just kind of trashed Kirk Cousins when he said Mond is in an interview, he said where Mond is everything Cousins is in terms in terms of athletic, you know, athletic ability, running ability, and all that. I, I don't know. I I'm glad I, I, I will say this. I, I don't know if he's gonna be the long-term answer at quarterback, but the Vikings and Rick Spielman are addressing the issue and they are planning for life after Kirk cousins, whether it's Kellen Mond or somebody else. And I think that's the most important takeaway here that, and the the backup quarterback spot, like you said earlier, Chris is way better. If, if cousins, I hope it doesn't happen, but if he gets hurt and Mond has to come in, I think the Vikings will have a, at least a realistic chance to win a football game as opposed to with Sean Mannion.
1: No, absolutely. Is Sean Mannion playing extended snaps for the Vikings is scary and we don't need that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, Like you said, they're addressing the problem. He may or may not develop into the long-term answer. He's got all the potential to develop into the long-term answer. But like we said earlier, the Vikings need to bring in somebody, some kind of quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer, whoever it might be, uh, and get somebody to help develop this kid. Because, you know, I don't know if Andrew Janako can do it. I don't know if – I mean, Clint Kubiak's got to run the offense as the offensive coordinator – So they need to have a guy that can focus uh, their energies and their attention on developing uh, this kid so that, you know, if Cousins does leave after a couple of years from now, uh, he's actually got a chance to step in and be uh, the quarterback that we're all hoping he turns into, quite frankly, because, you know, this team hasn't had an actual long-term answer quarterback since Dante Culpepper got hurt. And so, yeah, we, we, we need, no. we don't need, damn it, we deserve a long-term, yeah. a long-term yeah, that, answer. You're right.
2: That's you're right. better. That's we better. We better.
0: Yeah. All right, Drew, what are your thoughts on Mond?
2: My thoughts on Mond is I think they absolutely need to bring somebody else in to work on it. If you're going to bring in a, a damn kicking coach, you could bring in a, another quarterback guru for Kellen Mond, the future of the team. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's ridiculous. Kellen Mond is super, super experienced. Did you know, tasty tidbit just for you guys, No quarterback in SEC history made more football plays in history than Kellen Mond. Really? 1,796. Since 1956, he's played more plays than anybody. He's sixth all-time in total yards. The guy's mobile. He could ran over 300 yards last year, four touchdowns. He knows how to get out of trouble. He's a ton of experience, 47 games. But my concern is after 47 games, shouldn't he be a lot better after 47 games? Yeah. But then you consider there's guys who played with him. He didn't have the stars that Alabama had, but he still had to play against Alabama. He played against the top competition. Um, He is willing to learn. And I think one of the guys he can learn from, besides bringing in a coach, is Kirk Cousins. One of Mond's weakest parts of his game is play action. He doesn't know how to do it. And Kirk Cousins is probably the best play action quarterback in the league. So hopefully they can work together. I don't think Mond, I ever saw him take a snap from below center over center
0: no i don't think he did that was pure he's gotta learn all that shotgun he's yeah
2: he's got a lot to learn but the guy one of the things i like about mond is he doesn't lose any ball speed on his passes when it leaves his hand it gets to the receiver with the same speed none of that loopy ass keenum teddy <laughs> bullshit none of that loopy ass none Rainbow. of it. okay he has great ball speed receivers I never saw a receiver in all the tape I watched had to slow down for one of his passes ever. Uh, He can make plays on the run. He can make plays out of the pocket and come on guys. We really need that. We got, we don't have any of that right now. Right. So I think, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think, but I think they need to be careful with him. A lot of work to do ton of work to do, but man, that guy, that guy can really be, he could be a franchise quarterback. He could, but, just needs a, a lot of work. I'm happy with the pick. At least we got like Chris said, we got somebody in there. Yes. Rather than just doing this Banyan Manion thing is like molasses all every year. Mm-hmm. Give us something to be happy. Give us something to look forward to with the quarterback position. If it's not going to be cousins,
0: give us somebody to be excited about. So well, I, th- I think they accomplished that either way.
2: I hope he does work out, but he well, has got a ton of, ton of, ton of work to do. There's a lot of work to do
0: guys. Okay, so I think that'll about wrap it up. Uh, any quick last thoughts, Chris? We'll we'll start with you.
1: No, I think the uh, the Vikings had a really solid twenty twenty one draft, even without all the usual uh, chicanery from Rick Spielman and company uh, moving up and down the board. Uh, you know, they filled needs. Uh, I know Drew hates hearing this phrase, but the left side of the offensive line should be set for maybe not ten years, but the left side of the. <laughs> But the left side of the offensive line should be set for a long time now thanks to uh, Wyatt Davis and Christian Darrisaw and you know they got depth in other places too so it's really hard to argue with anything that the Vikings did in the draft I think.
2: True. had two things to say. One of them, <laughs> who the hell is Mel Kiper? <laughs> I heard he was kind of you about the Serrat pick. You know what Kuyper? whatever, dude. Next thing I want to say is everybody have fun tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ted, you finish uh, it everybody Wong Goo tonight <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. um, great uh, seeing I'll, you
2: guys great doing the show with you guys I love the knowledge you give me man you make me smarter
0: I'll, I'll say this I, I would argue at least on paper right now with the picks the Vikings made uh, at the positions they drafted these players in the depth on this roster is as good as it's been since the end of 2017 um I think when you put that and you, you look at the talent on the offensive line now, there are no more excuses for this football team. It is, it is time for them to start producing and go to the playoffs. And if they don't, there's no more excuses. I, it's time to get rid of Spielman. It's time to get rid of Zimmer. And it's time to, to go uh, proverbially in, in another direction. But this, this is it. This is, this is about as good a draft, I think, as, as Rick Spielman has had at least right now, it five years from now it could look way different, but but this was a pretty good draft and they've got good players at depth positions. You got guys that, that can look to start on day one, both uh, in the first round and, and maybe even in the later rounds when you look at uh, um, the wide receiver from uh, from Iowa, uh, Smith Marset. So uh, they've got they've got they've got talent. It's time to it's time to play football absolutely that wrapped a good bow around that didn't he all right he <laughs> well done man well well done for those of you that tuned in to watch uh, thank you uh, again we, we've got I think we got our technical issues worked out uh, thanks to Tuonssa she didn't want to she didn't want to say hi tonight so uh, she's lurking in the background it's it's uh, because of her we were able to get this this live show done tonight uh, thanks to Chris thanks to uh, drew. Thanks to everybody that watched. Thanks to, to Liz. I appreciate you tuning in uh, on Thursday, and thanks for watching tonight. Again, don't forget Saturday, our greatest hit show, and then we will yeah. be back to our regularly scheduled programming the following Saturday. Take care, everybody.